You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. So I want to talk to you guys today. We're going to continue down the path of just talking about the Word. Not just talking about the Word, but we're going to talk about the Word. So go with me to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to hang here probably most of the time. And the Lord's really stirred my heart concerning this. Last night we had our first of several nights of worship. We're going to do it about every, every other month, and we're just, you know, when I said something last night, I was like, we don't really know what we're doing. We just go for it, and that's really what a lot of, the, of you know, your walk with the Lord is, is uh, you just go for it, and so there was, and this, I felt like this really uh, fit, there was, we had two different people that were painting, both had awesome pictures that they painted, and so our mission for worship really is through artistic expression to come into a place to where we put God at the highest level in our thinking. You want to know what real true worship is? It's where God is at the highest level in your thinking and in your heart. Amen? And so this was one of the, the pictures that painted. Cindy Webb painted this. Isn't that awesome? And uh, so I, she was, I think, a little reluctant for me to share it. She's like, it's prophetic art, you know? And she just, she literally dove into it like five days before. I'm like, will you do this? You want to let you do this? And they did, they did awesome. And so I really felt impressed to share this just because of what I'm ministering on today. But you know what you need to do? You just need to dive into the Word of God. If you want change in your life, you need to dive into the Word. You know the one thing that the enemy works to steal and to rob and to keep you out of? It's out of the Word of God. He'll even maybe have you busy doing a lot of other things that are spiritual, but to keep you out of the Word, he's happy to do that because the Word has all the answers. The Word's the plumb line for truth. The Word has uh, all of the life, the light, the virtue, everything that we'll ever need in this life, the Word has it. And it's not some old archaic book. It is the most relevant, timely, purposeful, intentional word that God has given us, the Bible. And the deal is, is that, you know, oftentimes we, we start in the flesh. You ever heard this before? You start in the flesh and then you wind up in the spirit. Well, that's kind of how it is when you read the Bible. Sometimes you just do it as an act of discipline, not because you feel motivated, but because you are disciplined to do it. And you do it, and sometimes it's, it's a little bit of a push, but when you push through, you're going to watch how God will bring revelation, understanding, and the seed of the word will be planted in your heart, and then a life comes. And aren't we all after life? Don't we want life? You know, I learned this uh, this past year really strong. Liz shared something with me, and it really uh, struck a chord in my heart. There's a difference between motivation and discipline. Rarely do I feel motivated to read. I'm, I'm not an avid reader. Some people are avid readers I'm not. I have to force myself to read, uh, but I've learned to be disciplined to read. I still have room to grow in that area, amen? But I've learned to be disciplined, and discipline has nothing to do with feelings, but everything with what you know is right to do. So today, we're going to talk about, and I'm calling this the paramount parable. There were many parables that Jesus taught. I don't know the exact number, but there was a lot. He taught a lot of parables. He uh, almost depending on his crowd, almost exclu exclusively taught in parables. And he taught many parables, but there was one parable that's, that stood out and one parable that does stand out more than all of the other ones. And even Jesus himself essentially said that this is the most important parable. And so we're going to go here in Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read a little bit and then share some things. But in Mark chapter 4, in verse 3, it says... Listen, behold, now this is Jesus speaking here. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And then verse six, but when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But the other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. I want to stop right here and tell you something, that when he's speaking to, when he says, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, or the mystery of the kingdom of God, he's speaking to his followers, he's speaking to believers. He says, it is for you to know, but I'm speaking in parables so that the ones that are outside won't just grab a hold of something without seeking me first. Because God delights in giving revelation to people that call him Lord. There is no place for revelation for people outside of ones that have a relationship with him. There's a verse in Proverbs, uh, I believe it's Psalms actually, it says that, uh, that the, the secrets, that um, he reveals secrets to his friends. God reveals secrets to his friends. So the ones that draw close to him and become a part of him and follow him, those are the ones that the mysteries are there to be revealed to. So when he speaks in parables, it's not to hide things from us, but it's to hide things for us. It's hidden from the people that don't call him Lord, but it's hidden for the ones that do call him Lord. And so the, the understanding comes as we seek him, and we seek him because we're close to him. You know, you don't, we don't put it in these terms, but people that you're close to, we would never say this, but you seek the people that you're close to. You don't do maybe as intentionally as, as, well, you do, because you call them up on the phone and you say, hey, let's go hang out. Let's go to dinner. Or if they're in, in your own house, you'll sit and you'll have coffee with them. You'll talk with them. You'll spend time with them. And what you're doing when you're doing that is you're seeking them and you're finding out what is in them. You're finding out what they're about, what makes them think, the things that they like, the things that they don't like. You're gaining understanding of that person. And when you do that, whatever things are in the inside of them will be revealed to you. Because when they open up their mouth, you're able to understand what's going on on the inside. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you want to find out what is most abundant in God's heart, spend time seeking him. Spend time with him, and what is in him will come out of him and come to you and will bless you. You'll know what's inside of God's heart. And so he says, all, all the things, but let me read verse 11 over. It says, and he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are on the outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable how then will you understand all the parables? And so here we have right here what I call the paramount parable. And so what Jesus is doing is he's giving understanding as to how the kingdom of God operates, to how relationship with him operates, and most importantly and very specifically how relationship with the word of God operates. We're supposed to have a relationship with his word. And if we have an understanding or a proper understanding of how the word works, then you'll have an understanding of how the kingdom of God works. So basically, Jesus was saying, if you don't understand this parable, you can't understand everything else that I have to offer you. And I believe scripture is parallel. If it's true one way, it's true the other way. If you do understand this parable, you'll understand all the other things that he has to offer you. Because the basis, this, this parable is the foundation for how everything works in the kingdom of God. Because nothing can come, as far as understanding, nothing can come unless the seed is first placed inside. You can't get the benefits and the nutrients of the seed of the word unless it's first planted, and then the harvest can come. And so one of the things that's so challenging about this, especially for the day that we're living in is that we live in an, an instant, and we talk about this often, we live in an instant gratification society. That's the way culture is. People are kind of like that in general, but our culture with social media and TV and all of the things that we have, and I'm not saying that they're evil, but those things really cater to having an instant thing, you know? And so even TV, like when it first came out, you know, you could get news pretty quickly. You could get information pretty quickly. And uh, it used to be back in the day, I remember my dad telling me that back in the day, he was the TV turner. 
you know, to where if he didn't, if his dad didn't like what was on, he would say something like, boy, get up and change the, the thing or whatever, and that's just how he talked. And uh, so that was even a little bit slower, but now you can have it in your, your hand. I don't like that. And you can instantly change it. And I'm not saying all that that's bad, but it's really trained us to not be patient people and to not, not wait for things. And see, there's some things that you can get instantaneous, but the way that the kingdom of God operates, really the way the earth operates, but also just the kingdom of God, is that it's seed, then time, and then a harvest. And the Lord spoke this in Genesis. He says, as long as the earth remains, there will be summer, there'll be winter, there'll be different seasons, and seed, time, and harvest will be in effect. And oftentimes it's seed, time, <laughs> and then there's a harvest. And we don't have a problem with the idea of seed, usually, and we definitely don't have a problem with the idea of harvest, but we do often have, a, have an issue when it comes to the time part of it. Because we want things so instantaneous, and it has crippled us from getting and having God's, God's best in our life. And it's kind of the difference between living in the blessing versus living uh, in miracles. I believe in miracles. We sang a song this morning about there's another miracle in this room. I believe that if you need a miracle, praise God, God's a miracle working God, and he can do it, and he wants to do it because he loves you, and you're his kids. But you know, that's, that's living. Living in the miracle is different. Living on miracles is different than living in the blessing. Because when you're living in the blessing, you're living according to heaven's economy. When you're living in miracles, you're definitely living within the, the, the realm of heaven's ability. But there's a difference between having something instantaneous, which I praise God that when you need something, God is faithful, and you can get what you need from God in a short period of time. But if you're living from miracle to miracle, you're living from crisis to crisis. The best thing to do is to learn how to cooperate with the Lord and live in the abundance that he has for us. So this is the difference between, um, and we just kind of learned this, this terminology, but it really fits well, the difference between transitional and transactional. And so when you look at the children of Israel, they came out of Egypt, and the Lord's, this was the Lord's goal is that when they came out of Egypt, they, they would spend a very sh short period of time in the wilderness until they came into the land of promise. I am firmly convinced, in fact, I heard one of the, one of the wealthiest and um, best business people that I know of uh, said this just last week. Liz and I got, it was so awesome what we got to do and um, going to this, this uh, pastor's retreat. But he said this, he said, and he's probably in his mid to late 60s, I don't know. And he said, I am convinced, and this really struck a chord in my heart. He said, I'm convinced that the level that believers live at, that they have placed their own limitations, that we place limitations on God, it's not God placing limitations on us. Now, there can be times when the Lord will say, I need you to get a hold of this before you can step into this next season. There's a place for stewardship, things like that. But most of the time, I'm convinced, most of the time, we don't step into the more because we have placed limitations on what God can do in our life. I, I firmly believe that. And we'll find ourselves going around the same mountain because we haven't got a hold of what God has for us to move into the next season. It's not God delaying us moving into the next season. It's us delaying because we're not cooperating with the Lord properly. No condemnation, but it helps us understand why things aren't working out properly sometimes. And it's not just that we go and say, God, whenever it's up to you, whenever you want to do it, then you can do it. This parable, as I get into it, is really going to reveal this. But the idea of what the Lord had for the children of Israel was to transition out of Egypt. And I've heard, and I've never done the math on it, but I, I've heard that it was like a two to three week journey from Egypt into the land of promise. How many of y'all know that they were there for 40 years? You know why they were there for 40 years? Because of their own way of thinking. But you know, during that whole time, and this is what's so awesome to me and, and amazing, is that during their whole time of essentially grumbling and complaining and really not obeying God, God still provided for them anyways. They were his kids. Manna was provided for them for 40 years. But you know what that was? That was like, that was like a, a transitional thing that God, it was a, God did. It was a supernatural releasing that God did to provide for them during the time of transition. But that was never God's best. You know what God's best was? Transactional. 
whenever they stepped into the promised land, I believe it was the, uh, the way it says it is that after they reaped their first crop or something after they ate of their first from the new land, the land of promise that God brought them into, the next day the manna dried up. You know why? Because now they entered into a new relationship with the Lord. It was still God's blessing, but instead of it being manna being rained down from heaven every day, now they were in a place to begin to cooperate with the way that God wanted to bring blessing and provision to them. Can you see the paradigm shift that needs to happen in our thinking? Because oftentimes, uh, <laughs> we'll go to, you know, and this, it's always funny to me, and I try to like, allow my heart to, to just remain, uh, it's okay, Kent. <laughs> but, you know, whenever we have, um, and I know sometimes we'll have visitors that will come because they're partners or whatever, but we'll have these awesome ministers, and I love our guest speakers that we have, and I think we have the best guest speakers of any church in the whole world. And I, I just think it's awesome the way that God has just blessed us with them. But it's amazing to me how people will often show up and line the walls to get a word from the man of God, but they won't give any time to get a word from God himself from the written word. This goes to show you that our relationship with the Lord is still in a, let's, let's only have the, I won't say supernatural, but, but the miraculous, we just need the miraculous and we don't really need to cooperate with the system that God set up. And I believe that Jesus has given us a really clear understanding of like, that's actually not the, the way that you live and the blessing isn't from crisis to crisis. So you get miracle after miracle after miracle, but you can live in the flow of God's blessing. And you do that by intentionally taking the word and placing it on the inside of your heart and then seeing that seed produce what it's supposed to produce. So now let's go and look at Jesus giving the answer to this parable, which was rare. But I thank God that he did for our sakes. It says, the sower sows the word. This is verse 14 of Mark 4. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones uh, by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, I'm going to finish reading this and come back and talk about it. Otherwise, I'll never get through this. It says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribu tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit, some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. And so praise God, this is how the kingdom of God is designed to operate. Everybody loves a miracle message Nobody, well, nobody, most people don't get as excited about a, uh, a discipline message because what this is, you know, farmers, uh, I thank God for farmers and I thank God that farmers have a, some understanding on how to actually get a crop because if farmers were to go out and whatever harvest time is, let's just call it October, you know, if they went out of the, you know, October 1st and threw some seed out and said, boy, we're going to have a harvest here in one week or two weeks, I, you know, we would all go hungry, wouldn't we? Uh, so I'm really thankful that they've got it figured out. There, there is a time for planting, and then there is a time for that seed to germinate, and then there is a time to reap the harvest that that seed produced in due time. And here's the deal is that if you are continually sowing seeds, you will continually have seeds in the ground, and you will continually at some point be reaping a harvest in your life. We're supposed to be living from a place of blessing, not from a place of miracle to miracle to miracle, just begging and hoping that God will do something. And this is why, and again, I'm not against, this is why I have guest speakers come in. This is why we have times where we pray for people. Even when, and this is, I think is so amazing. I love to see when someone who doesn't even know the Lord, you pray for them and they'll get healed. Just supernatural, just the, just the miracle. All of a sudden, boom, they get healed. God sets them free. They get restored. I love that. I, I'm like totally 100% for that. But what I've found is, and I'm speaking to the church right now, what I've found is that a lot of church folk have been wondering why things aren't working in their life properly. And I love this parable because it gives us a sense of we don't have to stay living in the same condition that we've been living in. And you say, well, what, what kind of things are you talking about? Anything that God's word promises. The word 
Clearly, right here as we just read, the, the word tells us that it is a seed. So whatever you need a harvest of, that's the seed that you plant. If you want corn, plant corn. You want oranges, uh, plant an orange seed. You want apples, plant an apple seed. You want grapes, start a grapevine. Whatever you need, plant accordingly and you get the harvest that you need. You need something to change financially in your situation. If you need a miracle, believe God for a miracle. But if you want to stop believing from paycheck to paycheck, start taking the word of God, plant it in your heart, and then you'll start to see things change in your finances and live in consistency. Why? Because the word of God is like a seed, and when you plant the seed, it will produce, and you'll have the thing that you need. If you need healing in your life, take the word concerning healing and plant it in your heart. See, people oftentimes, the way that they look at the kingdom of God is that they will pray. And they'll say, Lord, you know what I need. You know the things that I have need of. And so I'm asking you to do this. God, I'm asking you to touch me. Lord, I'm asking you to make this thing right. Father, I'm asking you for the miracle here. And there can be a place for that kind of prayer. Not really, actually. I don't really ask God for much. I thank him for what he's given and then cooperate with his word. But that's another message for another time. Although it does kind of fit in here. But a lot of people, they, they basically, and there is, a, there is a philosophy, there is theology that is being inundated into the church. And so I'm always very on guard with like, how can I get my people to see that this is fallacy? And I think this is one way that we can see this, that people will often pray these things, and then they're, they're looking for God to just do the answer, to just get the thing. And when they don't see it happen, the, the response has been, well, God, it just must not be your will. It just must not be what you want. But here's the deal, is that this parable that we just read right here, this parable puts all the responsibility of the seed being produced on the person who owns the soil. It actually really removes, with the exception of the word, which is what holds the power, there's more destiny and there's more potential in seed than anything else in the entire world. Do you know that the world essentially was created from seed? Because the, the word of God, as we just read right here, is seed. Right? Everybody agree with that, that the word of God is seed? What does the Bible say? How did God create the world? It was through his words or through his word. But where did that word come from? Because oftentimes, even though it was miraculous that the Lord created everything out of nothing, he really didn't create everything out of nothing. You know what he had first is he had a thought in him, and that thought was inside of him, and for however long, that thought was a seed that germinated. And I don't know, he was outside of time because time's in the earth. And so I don't exactly know how it happened or how long. But I do know this. There was a time when he thought, and then there was a time period, whether it was five seconds or 500 years. But there was a time period between when he thought and when he spoke. And the speaking brought about the manifestation of what the imagination was inside of him. Nothing works outside, lest the Lord suspend the supernatural, uh, suspend the, 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 the kingdom laws, I'll say it that way, unless the Lord suspends the working of the, the, the kingdom laws, then everything operates inside of seed time and harvest. Can he suspend? Yes. Are we thankful when he does? Yes. Why? Because we need it. We should never limit God to him not being able to fix whatever we're dealing with at the moment. But understand this. And see, this is like when he, the children of Israel, when they were in, they were in uh, uh, the wilderness. I really believe that the reason that they had to have um, supernatural water come forth out of the rock was because they should have already been in the land of promise. I mean, I'm not saying they didn't need water from the time they left Egypt for the two, three-week journey until they got in the land of promise. But what I am saying is that the Lord sustained them in every single way in the midst of where they were at until they got to the place that God ultimately had called them to. Thank God for his supernatural provision that is a miraculous, that, that violates the way that things are supposed to work. But I've just come to this place where it's like, Lord, I don't want to have to cry out for a miracle. I don't even want to have to believe for a miracle. I'd rather just live in the blessing. I think I got 50% of you 50% of the way there. So, well, you guys are doing great. 
But this is the way that we're supposed to live. This is how things are supposed to function. And if you can, if you can change this, then what you'll begin to do is see, when you're cooperating with the Lord, he'll show you what seeds to plant. He'll show you where to read in the word. I have, I have oodles of books in my office. Uh, most of them I have not read. And here's the reason why. is because when I read, I read with intentionality. My normal is the word, that I stick with the word. I put the word in me. I think on the word. I meditate on the word. But then every now and again, the word will say, I want you to read that book. I have one book that I've had sitting on my office shelf for five to seven years. Two times I've pulled it off to start to read it because I already know it's an incredible book. I've had multiple people say, you need to read that book. Every time, because you only have so many hours in the day. Amen. And so every time I pulled it, I think two different times I pulled it off my shelf to read it, and I started reading it, the Lord said, put it back. I'd not want you to read this right now. Why? Is it because what's in it's not good? No, what's in it's incredible. I know it is because I know who the author is. I know it's incredible. But then I move on, and the Lord says, I want you to read this right now. Why? Because he knows the harvest that I need coming up, and that's why he wants me to put the things in me right now so I'll have the harvest that I need in the time to come. See, when you work this thing with the Lord, you'll always have what you need. We just have to be intentional to pay attention to what the Lord is wanting us to, to put in us. But every seed, it, it has more potential in it than anything else in the universe. And if we can see it this way, then we'll be more intentional. And I like to use that word, intentional. We'll be more intentional to take the word and to plant it so that we'll have the harvest that we need in, in due time. Praise God. Um, seed doesn't produce without the supernatural ability of the soil. Seed doesn't produce without the supernatural ability of the soil. This is very, this is incredibly important. I don't even think I could really put it into words how important this is. Because people, again, they have this mentality is that if we just pray and we just ask, then God, then God will do or God can do. And if he doesn't do it, then he just doesn't want us to have it. But saying, so if the word promises something, if the word promises something, and we don't get what the, word promise, what the word promises, and then saying that God doesn't want us to have it because it didn't happen, is just as ignorant as somebody who doesn't plant a seed and then goes stand outside and wonder why they have no harvest. It wasn't that God didn't want you to have it. You, just didn't, you simply didn't cooperate with the kingdom principles, the truths that made that thing actually manifest in your life. And then all of a sudden, people get into this hard thing of like, God, I really needed this, but you didn't provide it. And because I needed it and you didn't provide it, now all of a sudden they become offended at God that they didn't get the thing that they needed in the due time. To me, miracles are, are somewhat of a mystery because there's been times when I've prayed and I've seen miracles happen and I thank God for that. But there's been other times when I prayed and I didn't see a miracle happen. And I can't give you the answer, but one thing I do know is that it wasn't God that withheld. How can a good father withhold any good thing from his children? If he did, he wouldn't be a good father. But I also know this, that for the seeds that I've planted, I've always had a harvest in due time when I've been faithful to plant the seed. You know what your job is and my job is? Take the word plant the word, steward the word, then get a harvest in due season. But you cannot have a, a seed, cannot come to pass without, if something happens supernaturally and there was no planting of seed, then it wasn't a seed, it was a miracle. Flat out, it was a, it was a supernatural harvest. It was that time when you didn't sow and you went out in your field and all of a sudden all of the food was there that you needed. But I don't like to count on that. I want to count on the things that God says, you have control over this. We have control over planting seed, do we not? You can go out the store and you can go on with the rest of your life and you can never put any seed in your heart again and you won't reap a harvest. It's not God being mad or angry or not giving. It's that you simply didn't cooperate with the laws of how his kingdom works. But you can go out and you can plant seed in your heart and when you plant seed, God is faithful to watch over his word, and it will come to pass. He just has to have a heart for it to be planted in. Seed can't produce outside of soil. You know, this is one of the most amazing things to me. As a matter of fact, let's go and look at a few verses down. We're going to go to verse 26, and Jesus talks more about how the kingdom of God works. In verse 26 of Mark 4, so verse 26, and it says, And he said, 
Uh, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And the next verse, 27. I want everybody to see this. The 26, 27, 28, and 29. And should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. There's something that takes place between seed and soil that is supernatural. Even natural seed and natural soil, it's supernatural. The seed by itself doesn't work, and soil by itself can produce nothing. There has to be seed in there. But if you don't take seed and put it in soil and tend to that soil, that seed will not produce the potential that it has in it to produce. It's impossible. There's something about the seed and the soil coming together that's supernatural, both in the natural realm and in the spiritual realm. Next verse. And it says, For the earth yields crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. And then the last verse here, But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts the sickle, because the harvest has come. This is how we're supposed to operate. How, do, how, does, how does the seed actually work? What, what takes place when you put a seed in soil and then something begins to sprout up? I don't know, but I know that it works. You don't have to know how it works to cooperate with it. Every one of you, unless you're a mechanic or understand things, got in a vehicle and drove here, and probably most of you, if you're like me, all you know to do is start the car, put it in drive, or put it in reverse if you're in the drive, if you're in the garage, put it in reverse first, give my point, but you put it in gear, and then you drive here, and you shut the car off, you put it in park, you shut the car off, and you walk inside. What was going on inside of that car? I don't know, you got an engine, you got a transmission, you stepped on the gas, if you needed to stop, you step on the brake, you learn how to operate the thing, but you don't really know all the internal workings of what's going on on the inside of that thing. You have, you know, here's what's interesting, is that we have a, uh, we have a digestive system, that's very complex. And we put food inside of us uh, daily. And it usually exits daily too, but we're not going to get into that. But anyways, we have, we have a digestive system. I was not trying to go there. We have a digestive system that operates, but we don't really know the process of things that take place. Now, you can go read a science book and it can tell you, but even when you get down to the nitty-gritty of what's going on inside of your digestive system, it's a pretty incredible thing. How about the way that your respiratory system and your nervous system operate and function together? They do. You're all sitting here and you're breathing, and those things are between your brain and, and, and your diaphragm working and all that stuff happening. Now, you could be intentional and take breaths, but you've been breathing this whole time and you haven't been thinking about it. There's a lot of things that function and operate that you don't know all the inner workings, but you've learned how to cooperate with them. Is the exact same thing with the Word of God. You don't have to know all of how it works. You just have to know that it will work. Now, let's go and hit this a little bit, and this is really going to help you. It says, the sower sows the word. Going back to Mark 4 and 14, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, when they hear, when they hear, you first have to hear. If you don't hear, you have no seed. Faith comes by hearing. Liz quoted it. Faith comes by hearing. And when you go back and you look at the original language there, it's faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing, infinity all the way until we go into eternity. It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's where faith comes from, but we first have to hear. And so when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Notice that God is not the one robbing people of their seeds, nor is he robbing people of their harvest. Satan is your adversary. God is not your adversary. I don't think I could overstate this because, you know why? Because I talk to people a lot. And I, and I hear, not you guys so much, amen? You guys, are, you guys are on it. But I always want to be careful that these things don't sneak in, and I would consider it to be heresy for anybody to say that what God has promised, now God has removed from you. 
you need to realize God is, God is not your problem. He is not against you. He is not the one that's flying over watching for when you, you plant a seed that he's going to go and steal that seed because he doesn't want your harvest to come to pass. That's nonsense. That's heresy. That's garbage. That's not of God. It doesn't depict your position with the Lord. It doesn't uh, uh, depict the position and the authority that you have to take this parable and see it work in your life. If things aren't working in your life, it's possible that you haven't sown seed. If you have sown seed, then one of the next three types of things could be a potential. Number one, right here, it's possible that Satan stole the word from you. I have, it's amazing the amount of times that I've, I've heard somebody to be like, man, God really showed me this. And you know, the very next thing that will come against them that next day or that next week or sometimes even the next hour, it's something to work into opposition of what God said. Why? Satan wants to get you to believe that what God said isn't true. And so before that seed can even come in and produce something in your heart to where you can have the harvest that God wants you to have, Satan has already come and robbed that seed from you. You no longer believe it. The seed is not inside of your heart. Therefore, you will not produce a crop in your life. Why? Because a seed outside of the word has no power. A seed outside of the heart, excuse me, has no power. Did I say it right? I felt like it deserved a bigger amen, so I'm thinking I, maybe I didn't say it correctly. The seed outside of the heart has no power to produce anything. And that, that can be, you know, that can sound like, you know, like heresy. Just, You're saying God's word has no power. By itself, it doesn't have everything intended to cause the thing to move the direction God wants it to go. It's just like, it's just like this. The Lord showed me this not long ago. It's just like, um, it's just like an engine. And if if anybody knows anything about engines, if you don't, I'm going to give you a little schooling, and this is about all I know. But if you have a V8 engine, let's go with a 12, V12. I've never driven one of those. That sounds fun. If you have a V12 engine, traditionally, you have one spark plug per cylinder. I think I'm saying that right. Is that right, mechanics? Yeah, okay. Or guys smarter than me, or women. Uh, if you had a V12 and you had six spark plugs, you had one spark plug and six cylinders, but you had no spark plugs in the other six cylinders, would that make the spark plugs in the six cylinders that you have it in, would that make those spark plugs not powerful? No, it's not a trick question. No, it wouldn't, if, assuming they were good spark plugs, right? But would the car go anywhere, or would it go anywhere properly? No, why? It's missing the other six spark plugs. If you have the word and it's not in soil, you don't have the thing put together like you need to to cause the power and to see the thing move the way that it's designed to move. It's not that the six were wrong. It's that it was just incomplete without the other six. The word of God is always right, but unless it's planted inside of soil, it will never do the thing that God intended for it to do. I believe the Lord will just, you'll just all of a sudden, light bulb will come on. But see, you, there's three options after you've planted seed, there's three options as to why maybe your harvest hasn't come outside of just the fact that it takes time and you have to stick with it. But it's, there's three different things that can cause the enemy to rob from you what God has for you. Number one is that he can simply just steal the word. And there are different ways that he can do that, but understand that the enemy is out to steal the word. He cares nothing about your car breaking down. He cares nothing about the amount of money you have in your bank account. He doesn't really care about uh, how your body feels. He doesn't care about any of those things. What, what he cares about, what the enemy cares about, is taking the word from you that will produce the provision in all of those areas. Because if he can steal the word from you, he can steal everything. If he can't steal the word from you, he can't steal anything. So verse 16, it says, these likewise, and here's the second type of ground, the second type of soil, the second type of heart condition. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. You ever been in a place where you just, it's just like, yeah, that's for me. All right, be careful, because here's what can happen next. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the what's sake, the word's sake immediately they stumble these are the kind of people that will plant a seed and 
that seed will start to produce something. There's a little bit of excitement there. You know, we have um, this property that God's blessed us to be able to live on, and, uh, we, and we, we rent it, but it's just, it's so cool to wake up and have this lake there and all this property and fun and everything. God's just so good. But we were starting to be a little bit concerned, and I know they rotate fields, uh, what they plant in fields, like they'll do like soybeans, and then they'll, they'll rotate it and, and do uh, corn. Is this right? Anybody farmer in here? I've heard this. We're going to go with it. Okay. Uh, so the last year they had soybeans, and I love this. I love to see corn. I love cornfields. Isn't that weird? I just, I just always like cornfields. And uh, so we started to wonder, like, we weren't seeing anything, like, what, three, four, three, four weeks ago. We weren't seeing anything, and, and we didn't see them plant anything. They must have came in by night or something. I don't know. But we didn't see them plant anything, and it, was, it looked kind of weedy. And we're like, maybe there's nothing going to grow. But, you know, all of a sudden we drove by, and boom. We saw, we saw some corn. I'm like, yeah. I, like, I mean, I'm, we're not even going to eat it. It's probably feed corn or whatever. I just like the way corn looks. I don't know. And uh, it makes you, I think it's Field of Dreams. I love that movie. It's, if you build it, they will come. He will come. Anyways, uh, that's basically the motto for the church. You build it, then the Lord will show up. He's already here. Anyways, never mind. Forget all that. Corn's great. Corn sprouted up. But you know that if corn, if that corn doesn't have any root, it won't last. But, you know, I can tell that the corn, like in our fields, it's got pretty good root. You know why? Because it's getting taller. It's supposed to be knee-high by July, but it's, it's taller, right? There's a saying. I mean, it's probably waist-high by now at least. You know why? You know why it keeps growing? It's even endured a couple of storms. It's even endured some heat and some different things that, that could kill something that wasn't really rooted. It's got roots, and so that's why, that's why I'm, I'm pretty confident that that corn is going to grow all the way up, and it's going to remain until harvest. Why? Because it's rooted. You know why a lot of times people will get a word and they're getting excitement? They're like, yeah, come on, me and you, Jesus, baby, we're getting this thing done. I'm going all the way to the end. And then immediately something comes and they just totally fall apart. And like the saying goes, to fall apart like a $2 suitcase. You ever heard that before? Man, you get something from your, the Lord and you're like, this is going to go. I'm going to go all the way to the end with you, Jesus. And the next thing you know, you're sitting on your bed crying. And I just don't know. You totally lost the word. You lost the seed. The devil came and robbed from you. You had crop failure. Why? Because the seed was bad? No, because there was contaminants in your heart that didn't allow the seed to take full root and produce the thing that it was supposed to produce. How many times have we prayed for something? How many times have we prayed for healing, for example? We got a word from healing. God told me, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. You take that, you plant it in your heart, and you're believing God for something. You need to see change in your life, but you wake up the next day. You didn't receive a miracle. You wake up the next day, and you can still feel the pain. And you're like, oh, Jesus, I, I prayed, and nothing happened. I mean, God wants you to be healed instantly. I believe that. I can prove that in multiple places from the Word. But if it takes a process of seed, time, and harvest, just let it take the process. It's better to be healed slow than to not be healed at all. But oftentimes we'll do that, we'll pray, and then we don't see the instant change, and we just, oh, and we fall apart, and it's why? Because we're not rooted within ourselves, and we don't have what it takes to take that word and to stick with it and see it through any kind of difficulty that might come our way. This is actually why a lot of churches fail. This is why a lot of pastors fail, is because they'll have an idea, they'll have a seed, God will speak to them, they'll go and plant it, and then when hard times come, they're excited. I can tell you now, when you first start a ministry, you first start a church, it's like, yeah! You got this vision, all these things exploding. And then you have people come against you. And then you have people call you all kinds of stuff. And then you have people not support you. And then you have people tell you that they're going to support you. And we've got your back. And then they stab you in the back. And so you have all of these things that come. And you find out what you're really rooted in. Are you rooted and grounded in people? Or are you rooted and grounded in the word that God gave you? And if you're rooted in the word that God gave you, it'll be all right. You just stick with it and you'll see that thing come to pass. That's the second type of ground. And it says, and they have no root in themselves, and that's what I just read, verse 18. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. You know, here's the thing about sown among thorns. So there's already other things that are growing there. So the soil has the ability to have root in it because rocks have been removed. And I know this isn't a perfect analogy, but this is the one that Jesus gave us to work with, okay? So, you know, there's some type of soil there. There's some type of depth there because there's already other things that are growing there. So when you go to plant seed, see what else is in your heart first. So now these are the ones sown among thorns that uh, they are the ones who hear the word. Again, you have to hear first. Hearing has to come first. That's how we plant the seed of the word in our life. 
and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in, and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So it wasn't that you didn't hear and plant, you heard and plant. It wasn't that it didn't come up, it came up. It wasn't that it didn't have any uh, root because there was enough to make it spring up uh, uh, to a fair amount, but it was the other things that came in and choked the, the life of the word out. And I've seen this happen before with many people. I've seen this happen before with myself to where the Lord says, I want you to do this. You carry on. You take the word of the Lord. You plant it in your heart. You, you, you tend to that word. You tend to the soil. But then you don't do it enough. And then before you know it, you find all of these other things that are growing up. And before you know it, the thing that God said that he wants to happen in your life no longer is something important for you. Because you've got your focus and your attention going every which direction except for the place that God says, I want you to do this. Sometimes things take a long time. How long does it take for a word of God to germinate and come to pass? I don't know. It depends on the word. depends on probably the condition of your heart. It can depend on a lot of different things. But understand this. If God gave it to you, he intends for it to happen. Every word that God has given, God fully intends for that word to come to pass in your life. So if we don't see it come to pass, we shouldn't say, well, I guess God changed his mind. God is not schizophrenic. And he is not a part of my political incorrectness. He is not an Indian giver. My wife's part Indian, I can say it. He doesn't give and they go, yeah, you know what? I think I changed my mind. I'm going to be a jerk. Can't have that. No, no. If you read something in his word and that thing becomes alive on the inside of you and you plant it in your heart, you will have what that seed promises, what that word promises, if you will stay in it long enough to produce what God has for you. Let me look at this. Hold your place in Mark, and I'm going to finish right here. First closing. Hold your place in Mark chapter 4. Go to Luke chapter 8, and let me show you this in verse 15. I want to pull this up here very quickly, and then I'm going to come back in Mark 4 and finish. Luke 8 and verse 15. Are you guys getting something out of this? Man, this should give you all the authority and the power. This will change the way you pray, the way you read, the way you see stuff, how you're believing. So Luke 8 and 15, let's pull up verse 15 of Luke chapter 8. Now listen to this. It says, but the ones that fell on the good ground, this is this exact same parable. This parable is found in Mark 4, Luke 8, and Matthew chapter 13. It says, but the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. With a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience patience. We don't like the patience part. It's true. We don't like the patience part. Human beings are, we are our own worst enemy. We blame the devil on more stuff that's our fault. We give the devil so much credit. Now, he does come to steal the word, and he will work to do things, but sometimes stuff will happen and we'll be like, the devil's just really against me. It's like, well, actually, you're against you. Stop thinking the way that you're thinking. Stop allowing those inconsistencies and, the, and the, the contaminants to come in and mess with the soil because your soil is the only thing that will cause that seed to come to pass. If you have a seed, if you have a bag of seed in your barn, you will have no crops grow. But once you put it inside the ground, now all of a sudden you have the power of the seed and the soil working together to produce what that seed will produce. Every seed produces after its own kind. Every seed does produce after its own kind. A couple things you can pull out of that. Number one, if you plant apples, you're not going to get oranges. If you plant corn, you're not going to get soybean. But the other thing and the greatest thing in that is that it will produce. The issue isn't the seed. The issue is the soil. I look at this like a science project. You remember back in, I know for me it was ninth grade, probably the only thing I remember from my ninth grade science. I didn't remember anything else from anything except for I had no idea what the people were talking about. <laughs> God uses the foolish and the base things of the world to confound the wise. I went through high school, like I liked music and I liked playing hockey and I liked Liz. <laughs> the rest was a blur to me. I don't remember. But I do remember this, that you could take a constant and you could take that constant and put it into different variables and the constant would produce or not produce depending upon the variable that you put it into. 
It's physical science 101. And so at one point, we had uh, a seed, and there was the same kind of seed, and we put that seed into different conditions, sunlight, water, different soil content, and depending, even though it was the same kind of seed in every one of the, the containers, depending on what happened to the soil and the conditions surrounding the soil made a difference on whether that seed produced what that seed promised it would produce. There is no problem with the seed. There is no problem with the seed. There is no problem with the seed. It's the condition of the soil. You say, man, I, just, I feel like I've just screwed up. Well, stop doing that. And then stop allowing the devil to condemn you because you did and just allow your heart to be softened for God to put the word in it and for you to cooperate with the Lord and watch the seed of the word of God, what he promises come to pass in your life. This will take, if you can just see this process, how this works, it'll eliminate all the frustration. Now, the, the difficult part is, is that you have to be willing to stick with it for as long as it takes. You know, a baby, it takes nine months or 40 weeks, whatever, nine to 10 months for a human being to be, for the seed to be planted and for the, the harvest, that sounds bad, for the baby to be born, right? But everything is seed time and harvest. Everything is. I'm telling you, everything is seed time and harvest. Everything operates this way. Everything in the natural and everything spiritual. An elephant takes two years. <laughs> How'd you like to be pregnant for two years, ladies? I know by the time Liz was at eight months, she's like, get this shit out of me. <laughs> are you wanting me to cast it out or are you wanting to deliver the baby? I'm just kidding. <laughs> she really was a great pregnant lady. She was, she was very, very good. Uh, but she, when she was done, when it, when it was done. You know, the thing is, is that Sometimes, you know, the first time, uh, God, God created things with the ability to reproduce. So if you're like, if you're like if it, it, was it the chicken or the egg? It was the chicken first. It really was the chicken first. And he gave the chickens the ability to reproduce. And so the, you can imagine the first time that Adam and Eve saw a rabbit and, you know, that whole process, it was like, you know, like two weeks later, there's like 50 rabbits, right? You know? But then an elephant... It took two years. And they're probably thinking, wow, this was, this was a lot different. You can have a seed planted and think it's going to take the same amount of time as what somebody else did. But the first time, especially the first time you do it, you don't know how long it's going to take. The first time you plant that seed, you don't know how long it's going to take. Your job isn't to determine the time. Your job is to determine the faithfulness in your heart, to watch the word of God in your heart and watch over your heart. And that word will produce it will produce what God says it will produce. If you guard the word in your heart, the word will guard you. All you have to do is put the word in and watch over to make sure things aren't coming against to rob you of what God promises that the seed of the word will produce in your life. Amen? Man, this is a powerful word. Going back in Mark 14, just to finish up, what we, Mark 4, excuse me, just to finish up what we were reading, it says, uh, and the cares, excuse me, in verse 20, and it says, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. You know how you have to accept a word? You have to know that that, this spiritually speaking, you have to know that that word is from God. If you're in the middle of trying to, trying to reap a harvest of something that it wasn't from God, here's the deal is that if you birth it, you have to feed it. But if God births it, God will take care of it. But if you have a word from, if you know it's a genuine word from the Lord, it doesn't matter what it is, something concerning your family, something concerning your health, relationships, a ministry thing, no matter what it is, if it's from God, you stick with it and you watch God will produce that thing in due time. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give, or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.